Welcome to show some respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking. Yet another weekly dose of 30 minutes of me. Just me, me, and more me. What more could you want? I could do with a little less of me, to be honest. I, I get more than enough of me, but for you guys, what a treat. What an absolute treat this must be. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm uh, getting prepared. This is my last podcast before I'll set off to Brisbane this time next week on my, uh, my, my, my countrywide, by which I mean Brisbane, Wollongong, and Newcastle. What else is there in this beautiful country of ours? Brisbane, Wollongong, Newcastle, throughout September, and I say throughout, I also get, I mean three days. <clears throat> the key to showbiz is to make everything seem bigger than it is. Tom Whitcomb's enormous multi-date global tour, because Queensland might as well be a different country, is on the horizon. And I am still keeping fingers and toes crossed that somebody buys tickets. No, it's looking all right. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've got my little Facebook ads thing. The Facebook ads, the Facebook ads portal gives you all the up-to-date statistics as to how your tickets are going. And uh, I had my first confirmed online ticket sale for my Newcastle show on Sunday, the 18th, the 18th of September. I'm also going to be in Newcastle on September 11th because uh, never forget. Never forget, in many ways, you know, the world, the new World Trade Center is the new castle of capitalism. But it shows me on the portal how many, how many clicks, how many unique clicks, the frequency, so how often people are likely to click, and then the number of ticket sales. And for a long time, that was looking, clicks were looking good. Number of people are clicking multiple times. Ticket sales were not looking great. And when I say not looking great, they were not looking present. That was, I mean, the the saving grace of it all was I was I was I was removed from the anxiety of getting one extra statistic, which is average price per ticket sold, price of advertising per ticket sold, return on investment. I couldn't get that because you can't divide by zero, and that was uh, a a weird combination of ignorance and bliss of not having to face up to what that number would be. But now that Newcastle has sold, I've had to confront that, that it's every, every sale is costing me about 100 bucks, And that, I don't know if you guys know a lot about economics, but um, at, uh, at $25 a ticket, that's not netting out great. At the moment, I'm paying everybody $75 to be there. I think that might actually be a better marketing statistic as if I just, or marketing tactic, is I just, maybe if I just paid people to come. If you're paying people to come, I think you can also pay them to laugh. That's a good hourly rate. 25 bucks an hour in Newcastle? Sunday rates, I guess. It's a Sunday. I probably should be doing time and a half. Now, I'm being... In case you're thinking, wow, I really shouldn't go to this show. This is going to suck. To be fair, that one person, I think, bought four tickets. So, that's actually netting out. It's almost... It's almost even. I'm almost netting a profit. Could you believe it? So we'll see. We will see. I've managed to score myself a gig in Brisbane right before my show that I'm getting paid for. So that's that's a little bit of money just to throw back into advertising. Really double down, you know. Sure, right now for every dollar I spend, I am selling zero tickets. But maybe it's just that last threshold I need to kick over. We'll see. We will see. Please, please. Is, it, is does groveling does groveling help? I don't know. I've tried the last two podcasts. Mixed results. Mixed is favorable. It, zero results. Zero, zero, zero results. But uh, 
you know, that's that's the game that I'm playing for some reason. What else is happening in my world? Well, hustle culture is just about killing me. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the world of hustle culture, but uh, keep your distance. If if life isn't already a torment, then hustle culture has nothing for you because it is. Oh, it's a, it's aggressive. I watched I watched one too many videos about how to how to turn your life into into your how to turn your dreams into reality. And um, I mean, I I like the religious model, which is just to hope it for a really long time. Uh, but the hustle culture model is, I think, to uh, work harder and or hate yourself, um, preferably in equal measure, actually. Work hard while hating yourself and use that hatred as fuel for more work. Just if you find me slumped over a computer with a flashing video editing screen in front of me, just take it out on Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk is just absolutely ruining my life. I can't keep up. I can't keep up with the level of work ethic that Gary Vaynerchuk expects of me. Gary, we're not all Eastern European immigrants, okay? How do you expect me? How do you expect me to work a full nine to five and then come home and work a further five to nine? I'm gonna, I'm, I've never had to work for anything, Gary. I've ne- everything's been handed to me. How am I suddenly gonna just triple my workload? I don't understand. For, for, okay, I, I might be talking cryptically for the rest of you. Hustle culture, I don't even really know how to describe hustle culture. It's this, it's this sort of online phenomenon in which all of your life goals are attainable and the only thing stopping you from attaining each and every one of them in quick order is just, you know, that sort of like Chinese sweatshop level of work ethic. That's the only thing. If, if, you, if you could make content the way a nine-year-old Uyghur Muslim kid made Nikes, you'd be, you'd be huge already. The project would be banging down your door to do a guest spot via Zoom. And that's what we're all in it for. I just want to get a chance to know Waleed Ali that little bit better. I want to know whether Peter Hellier's jokes are funnier in real time. And it's a low bar to start with. And Gary Vaynerchuk, if you're not familiar with him, Gary Vaynerchuk is, uh, is this man. Stuffed animals all fucking day. Oh yeah, that's the man. Stuffed animals all fucking day indeed. That's the man you uh, you need your life advice from. One more time, Gary. Let's just hear that. Just just one more time. Stuffed animals all fucking day. Oh, and that the truth. Uh, Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a uh, Eastern European. I want to say maybe Ukraine. Is he Ukrainian? Is Gary Vaynerchuk Ukrainian? I've not heard him talk about the Ukraine war once. Where's he from? Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Belarusian. Where is Bel? What is Belarus? Is it a real thing? Is it a place? Is it an East Slavic? No, that's a that's a language. No, there are many Belarusians. I don't know why, but they've linked me to the Belarusian language. Belarus, Belarus. Oh, why am I talking? You guys aren't here for education. I don't know why you're here. Uh, Gary V is he's like a I don't know. He had a wine business and then he was one of the first guys to have a YouTube channel and now he's worth millions of dollars and he wants to buy the New York Jets and he makes me feel bad about myself. Seems to be what Gary Vee does. I don't know if making Tom Whitcomb comedy feel bad about himself is in his bio, but fuck it should be because that's the defining feature of Gary Vee from my perspective for where I'm sitting. And now I started watching too many Gary Vee videos on YouTube and now they're showing me all these other Gary Vee people. I got served a video 
I got served a video. Cooper, my dog is is interrupting the podcast. Cooper, this is not an efficient way to run the podcast, and you know how I feel about efficiency. I got served a video on YouTube today, and this was the title. The title was How I Maintain Effectiveness for 98% of Every Day. 98, 98% effectiveness every day. Most robots don't hit that level. If you were effective for 98% of every day, the only reason you wouldn't kill yourself is because suicide is unproductive. That's the only reason. That sounds like torture. Why are, we, why are we aspiring to be like these people? Because the algorithm says it's a good idea. Surely, actually, if you think about it, so this is, okay, here is, here is demonstrable proof hustle culture online is bullshit, is because if the algorithm wanted you to spend more time on Instagram, they wouldn't be showing you hustle culture content. If hustle culture content worked, if people who were using hustle culture were actually spending more time doing productive things, the algorithm wouldn't want you to see it. Is this funny or true or anything? I don't know. But you can see, it's, it's a good argument, right? That's a good argument. Fuck you, that's good. I'm just, look, I alternate every single day as to whether my key goal in life is to be a great artist or famous on TikTok. I can't decide because those two, let's be honest, are mutually exclusive. All the successful TikTokers I know are at best average at their craft. And if there are any Sydney comedians listening to right now, we know exactly who I'm talking about, all right? None of our favorite comedians are TikTok celebrities, okay? That just, it doesn't, it does. Now, if the TikTok celebrity that I'm alluding to happens to be listening, please have me on your podcast. I would love to use your platform to my own ends. But the TikTok, I mean, I avoid TikTok like the plague in my personal life. And yet I want to be, I want to infect everybody else's personal life. I want to be, I, I want to be the reason I want to make TikTok content so good, I'm the reason you're unhappy. I want to make viral content so effective. I want to go so viral that I'm the reason you can't make eye contact with your friends. I'm the reason. I want to be the reason that you can't make polite conversation at dinner without checking your phone every 10 minutes. That's how good I want to be at this craft. I read an article in Sydney Morning Herald today about Australia's leading TikTok people, about, you know, the, the, the Australian TikTokers taking over the World Wide Web. And I read about this one. Her name is Esme something. Do I still have the tab open? Here she is. Esme James? Esme James. Esme James is a TikToker uh, who TikToks about sex positivity. Now, that in of itself uh, is already not my market. But add to that that she makes these videos, not all of them, but she makes these videos with her mother, who is a, they're both PhDs in sexology, and she and her mother make TikToks about sex culture together. And on the one hand, they are both academics, and they're both bringing a professional lens and presumably through their content, creating a more positive world for all of us when it comes to our sexual health. But on the other hand, yuck. Oh, 
You and your mum making TikToks about the history of blowjobs together. Disgusting. Disgusting. There's not enough digital validation in the world for me to even broach that topic. You don't think I've thought about things that could go well virally but would ruin relationships with my family? Of course I have, all right? You don't think I've, I've, I've thought of horrific sexual jokes to make about my family that I could have taken on stage and... Uh, I was going to say crushed, but, you know, done fine. You know, that's the problem with those. Look, if I had 100% guarantee it was going to crush every single time, I'd probably just do it. But it's just the few times that it doesn't go great, that's enough to, to just quash the whole thing altogether. You uh, Content creation with your mother about sex positivity, the grossest family business of all time. At least Gary Vee just opened a wine store with his dad. He and his dad weren't <sighs> crushing down the whole history of syphilis into 90-second bite-sized bits. Make sure to like and subscribe to learn more about how to express the anal glands. Come back next week where Dad and I discuss the, uh, the ins and outs of the prostate orgasm. Just... Hor- truly horrific stuff. Like, my parents and I don't broach that subject at all. As, uh, my parents and I both still, all of us to this day, have to pretend we don't know where I came from. We all just maintain total ignorance that, well, I just rocked up one day and we've all moved on. And that's the way it should be. In fact, and it shouldn't be just left to our parents. We we really shouldn't discuss sex in in, in polite discourse whatsoever. We should all... Maintain the illusion we're purely asexual beings and what we do in our bedrooms is between us and the advertising companies. All right. Obviously, I still want to see a lot of, a lot of references to sex in, uh, on the big screen and uh, on the little screen in the form of unskippable YouTube ads. But when it comes to a frank and proper discussion, leave it out. Leave it out. That's what, that's what uh, the Lord and Savior our Christ would have wanted uh, and all is possible through him. Except uh, my virality on YouTube, apparently. This, my, Cooper, you're adorable. I like you a lot. But also, fuck off, would you? He doesn't understand. He doesn't know what I'm saying because I'm, I'm saying it ironically in a different tone of voice. I could make it, I could get angry at him. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm not going to do that. <sighs> what else is happening? Oh, what about the world of sport? Let's do a little bit of sports news, shall we? Two great stories. In the world of sport, two very, very typical stories about this is you know look I've had I've I've made some jokes about uh, women's women's athletics in the past. I would like to point out I don't know if you remember two weeks ago I said if any women listen to this podcast reach out let me know zero responses. It's a dude only dude only environment. Rest assured when you're listening right now you are listening with a group of men, a group of heterosexual or at least closeted men I would say, based on my demographics based on what Google Ads have told me about myself. My Google Ads asked me to choose my demographics, and I'm like, both genders. And they're like, you're sure about that? Are you, are you certain both? I mean, look, it's your money. It's, it's your money. If you want to push this video making fun of female sprinters out to Australia's women, be our guest. We'll take that money away from you. It just doesn't feel, doesn't, doesn't feel right. No, Meta doesn't have a conscious. They don't care about that. Um, well, first of all, so the, the rehabilitation of Nick Kyrgios continues to be a story of two steps forward, one step back, doesn't it? 
Isn't that just fantastic? Nick Kyrgios, we all, I mean, look, we're all fucking fickle. What's the term? Rainy day? Good weather? Fair weather? We're all a bunch of fickle fair weather fans when it comes to Nick Kyrgios, aren't we? Because, boy, Wimbledon uh, through to the round of 64, couldn't stand the guy. Quarterfinals and up, biggest fan. Quarterfinals to, to the grand final, I'm like, Nick Kyrgios, I've, I've always liked him. I've always liked him. I think he actually, uh, I think he's actually a very important figure when it comes to recognising struggles that men have with mental health. Um, and then the minute he, he gets expelled, uh, the minute he gets removed from a tennis tournament, I'm like, typical, typical loser mindset from Nick Kyrgios. Uh I don't know how much crossover I have with the Mug Off podcast, but I'll just, a very, very quick aside. Uh, Sydney-based, well, actually, I don't know. He's not even Sydney-based. Nomadic comedian, Kyle Legacy. A man whose, uh, <laughs> his only fixed address is the nearest couch he'll be allowed to sleep on. That's how you define Nick Kyrgios's, uh, not Nick Kyrgios, Kyle Legacy's. I'm talking about, I'm, am I talking way too fast for anyone to grasp into what I'm talking about? Kyle Legacy is a comedian that I know. He's from Liverpool, and therefore you can barely understand him. He has no fixed address. He travels the world like some kind of joke-telling gypsy and uh, sleeps on, on other comedians' couches and seems far too happy with it all. The kind of guy who, you know, totally undermines everything a capitalist society ever taught us about what brings happiness. And in doing so, really rocks my entire worldview if I spend too much time thinking about him. This is a man who I don't even think has no money in the bank. I don't think he's ever had a bank account. That's the kind of vibe I get from Kyle Legacy, a man who was perpetually high on something, usually marijuana, if not life, who lives lives on people's couches like a, like a bad stain but for between one and two week periods, but seems to bring so much light and levity to people's lives that they're okay with it. And uh, here I am holding down a job and a side hustle, trying to edit videos all through the weekend for, for some distant promise of, of online validation, which ultimately often doesn't come. I, have, I had a video that had less than 1,000 views this week, and oh my God. Suddenly, suddenly clinical depression seemed all too recognisable. Um, meanwhile, Carl Legacy c- couldn't be happier. Living the life, living the dream. Carl Legacy is, uh, he, he is actually, Carl Legacy is to comedy what Nick Kyrgios is to tennis because they're both very good at it, but deep down all they want to do is play basketball. Carl Legacy is, uh, if, you've, if, if, if you haven't worked out already, if you haven't already like clocked who it is I'm talking about or already knew in the first place, Scouser comedian who is constantly wearing a basketball jersey. It seems to all that he wears is either basketball or Liverpool FC jerseys on stage and loves playing basketball and apparently is so good at it he thinks he can occasionally use the N-word. And look, he's never been around anyone to tell him otherwise, so play on as far as I can tell. And uh, Kyle occasionally plays basketball at a rec centre where Nick Kyrgios also plays basketball where Kyle uh, routinely calls him by Curios, which is so funny, which is just that's and, and he's not doing it for he's not doing it for online views. He's just doing it because for the love of questioning people's sexuality, and uh, you can't you can't fault the man. 
So Nick Kyrgios is in the American Open, and yet again, he beats the world number one, and instantly I'm on board, and I go through my social media, and I delete any reference to ever not loving the guy. Um, you know, like at Wimbledon when he yelled at his friends and families for either supporting him too much or not enough. It was very unclear to almost everybody, not least his family. And uh, so he's, he's through to the quarterfinals, and I'm going, well, I'm on the train. I'm, uh, I'm on the train. Uh, not enough to watch a game, obviously. Why would I do that? But certainly enough to, you know, live check the scores through the workday and uh, bring it up in polite conversation whenever people ask or don't. And Nick Kyrgios uh, bundled out in five sets, albeit a, a very, a very brave, a brave performance. It sounds like had to deal with a lot of adversity, had to push through uh, some potential injury scares. Loses the game only, you know. I think in a was it a tiebreaker or no? It kind of been a tiebreaker last set. Anyway, loses the game and handles it very well. Goes to the net. Shakes his opponent's hand, congratulates him on his performance, shakes the umpire's hand, and then uh, proceeds to destroy two rackets. There he is. He's back. That, that's that's more like the Nick Kyrgios that I widely disrespect when he's losing. Now, if he'd done it in a final, harder harder to judge. How would I have felt about this way? Just so funny. I mean... It was it was it was the switch. It was the it was the sudden switch of just the consummate professional sports person, uh, followed by petulant child in in a matter of moments. Truly, truly, I mean that's what the great athletes can do, right? The great athletes can just turn it on. The great athletes can just turn it on in a in a split second. And uh, Nick Kyrgios proving his greatness and petulance once more. And then the other great sports story this week. Um, from a sport that I actually do pay attention to, unlike tennis. Uh, tennis, which is, you know, I think just a, a sport that, given my level of class, I have to maintain some semblance of understanding of. It's just, you know, that's those are the rules. Those are the rules. The same way I have a, a set of golf clubs that I hardly ever use anymore. But straight white, privately educated guy, got to gotta have, got have him. That, that's, that's the law. Now, Cooper... You're banging the camera, mate. You're really, you're really stretching the friendship today, aren't you, buddy? You're getting pats. Is he happy? He's a happy boy. Rugby league, rugby league, the working man's game that I've commandeered. Uh, great story this week. You gotta love this. It's, it's a, it's another because rugby league is really all about the grassroots. And the, is there anything more true? of the roots of rugby league than a professional footballer getting away with common assault. Not in my experience. That's, that's certainly what I love about the game. That, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, now, one of the... Talon... So there, there are three brothers who play rugby league. Their names are Tyrone, Talon, and Tyrell. Like some kind of fucking Western Sydney fairy tale. And Talon, Talon, winger for the Penrith Panthers, and apparently on track to be Rookie of the Year this year, uh, a video has emerged of him at a pub celebrating the grand final win last year. I don't know why it took so long for this to come out. 
and uh, a fan is at the uh, a fan is at the pub and he's trying to talk to one of the players and he's trying to get a photo. Apparently, he'd already taken a video of one of the players earlier in the day, uh, and that player this is Nathan Cleary, very very well known, well respected player, has asked this young man to delete that video off of his phone. Now. The want to have videos deleted off phones, I mean, understandably, one of the, I mean, for an NRL player, if you could be, if you could be granted one supernatural power, the ability to remotely wipe people's phones would be up there. What Kalen Ponga would give for such an ability to just kind of like, you know, one of those solar flashes, just instantly wipe the hard drives of everything within a 100-meter radius. That's, that would be an NRL player's greatest strength if, if they had the capability. Um, so you can understand why tensions are high, all right? Because these, these NRL Penrith players, these Penrith NRL players are standing around, they're hearing this back and forth, they're hearing their captain, Nathan Cleary, ask this man to delete a video off his phone, and there is a primal urge in front of all of them going, this isn't fucking good. This could cost me my career. For the other 14 of 17 players who probably are a bit more replaceable, they're like, I can't go back to the job site. I can't. I'm earning $500,000 a year and I'm getting to hit people legally. I can't. I can't go back. I can't go back to the mines. Don't send me there. And Talon May has taken it upon himself to grab this guy, this unspeaking guy from behind, uh, by the collar and thrust him to the ground and then stand on top of him. Uh, very intimidating. Um, I mean, if I'm that guy at this stage, he can just have my phone. He can just, it's his now. He can have my phone and I'll give him my passcode to the next one just so he can check it if he needs to. Remote access to all my hard drives, my iCloud account. Whatever Ty- Talon, Tyrell, Tyrone, whatever them, whatever any of the May brothers want, they can have it. Um, and uh, this has gone on uh, CCTV because, you know, it's 2022 and there are cameras in pubs now. Hey, any NRL players, just a, just a, a heads up, there are cameras in pubs now. Just if any, if any NRL players are listening, just so you know, uh, you know, what, what happens in the safety of your own home Probably more problematic, but let, harder to prove. What happens in pubs, going to be the topic of a little scrutiny. Just something to think about, all right? Just just food for thought. Um, so, Talon May has uh, committed what I think is pretty textbook assault on uh, an unsuspecting fan from behind at a pub. 12 months later, he's gone to see the judge. The judge has uh, described the act as cowardly uh, and then proceeded to give him a $1,000 fine to pay $1,000 in damages. That's, 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 three, that's three bags of Coke. $1,000 doesn't get you through the first half of Mad Monday in the NRL, okay? That's, it's, it's nothing, Nothing. A thousand dollar fine. A thousand dollars in damages, uh, and the NRL has given him a two match suspension for next season. Now you might be thinking, "Wow, is the season over already?" No, 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 no. Uh, the season is going, and the Penrith Panthers are in the finals. Uh, and uh, two games, two two finals games would be too harsh a punishment 
for this young man that's committed indecent assault to uh, I don't I probably shouldn't say indecent assault because I don't really know what that means. I probably mean like I probably just alluded that he might have like. I'm trying to work out whether I can say the R word. We all know the word I meant. Sexually assault the man, which is not what I meant. No, the the, the NRL have decided. Well, yes, he is a, attacked an unsuspecting NRL fan. Let's not lose sight of that as well. Fan, a fa- a man who wanted a photo of an NRL player at a pub, a fan of this team. Uh, imagine getting assaulted by your rugby league team starting winger. Oh, because I love the Sydney Roosters. But if Joseph Suwali King hit me at the Royal George, I I I don't know what I I don't know how I'd feel about it. Is that enough for me to swap allegiances? Or just wait for him to retire? Just hope he gets traded onto somebody else and pretend that if it was the other side of the field swinger, that wouldn't have happened. Now, the NRL has said to attack a fan at a pub at a, at a Mad Monday celebration or a Silly Sunday, uh, that's, you know, yes, it's worthy of a $1,000 fine. Is it worthy of missing a non-elimination final? I don't think so. I don't think any of us would think that. Let's let him face that next year. He can deal with that in a regular season game or even a preseason. I think we get. I think two preseason games and a training session. We'll call it even. The NRL is just notorious for breeding shitbag players. Not all of them. In fact, a small minority. But they don't really seem too intent on changing anything. It was when Kalen Ponga came out of that bathroom stall, and we all. Just unanimously agreed. I don't even think he tried to say back that he was obviously snorting cocaine. Allegedly. Allegedly. I've met... Yeah. I'm committing so much... Oh, slander on this podcast when whenever I become worth reflecting on and, and looking for legal charges. God. Maybe it's a good thing that the Gary Vaynerchuk... Motivation for virality isn't working. Could cost me a lot. Uh, even when, like, when Cameron Munster, the uh, the halfback for the Melbourne Storm, or five back for the Melbourne Storm, was uh, was pictured on a table holding a bag of white powder that was only ever referenced as a bag of white powder, and no one ever, hey, go away, and no one ever, no one ever elis- no one ever thought about using the term cocaine because who knows what it could be? Who knows what that illustrate that. El- mysterious bag of white powder might could have been anything could have could have been baby powder could have been ketamine could have been anything we can't we can't he who is without sin you know buys the first bag i think is the term and uh and we just we just don't we just don't seem to do anything about it we're like look uh look look taylan we, we would usually uh, send you to uh, rehabilitation for this, but uh, unfortunately drugs nor alcohol seem to have anything to do with this, at least on the surface, which we'll be honest, we're kind of in foreign territory for us here. Well, this is usually, usually we, we can just pin this down on a, an alcohol addiction and we can all go on with our days, but uh, you've robbed us of that. It would have actually probably been better if you glassed this guy. Because at least then we could have said we was holding a beer. That was the problem. We could have blamed that on mental disorder and we all would have moved on. But, uh, but no, you didn't do that. Um, so I guess we're going to have to send you some kind of anger management, I guess. 
Um, you know, apparently it's quite good. We don't really ask any questions about what happened in those sessions, but people seem to swear by them. Unfortunately for you, um, we, we can't send you to Thailand for this anger management course. Obviously, if it was drug rehabilitation, you get a nice couple of weeks out in, uh, in PP Island, which would be ideal, but we can't. I'm so sorry about this. You're going to have to just think about what you've done at uh, Bondi Beach. I, I hope that's all right. I don't mean to offend you. Uh, please stay on the NRL. Please don't ever go to Rugby Union. Uh, we've got our foot on the neck of that code, and it's about to die. Oh, and we, I think we as a society are just like, you hear that NRL player committed assault on a fan? And like, oh, again. No, it's a different guy. Oh, well. Seems to be the only, uh, the only sphere in society where the term boys be, will be boys is maybe not said, but commonly accepted. 33 minutes, we are done. <laughs> I was going to say we are bursting through, but look what else have I got to talk to you about here? Nick Harris matches two rackets. Disgusting sex-based family business. Oh, the new Lord of the Rings is too woke, apparently. I don't know. I don't really have much to say about that. Have we just seen these articles on, this, on the fucking Guardian about this? About how, you know, oh, it's, there's a disgusting racist Twitter following who are angry that there are some dark-skinned elves. We need to stop reporting on Twitter like it's a real place. None of those people exist. I've yet to, you know, we hear all this. Have you heard all of the controversy about this thing? No. No one I know is talking about this because I wouldn't spend any time with them if they were. Oh, do I have anything to say about this? Not really. Guys, thank you for listening yet again to another episode of Show Some Respect. Tom Williams talking. I'm going to try and find a way to remove my dog's vocal cords for next episode because the whinging is driving me insane. But, uh, hey... That's the price you pay for investing in a breed that is uh, cute as it is prone to social anxiety. So, with that, as I play the theme music, or at the very least try, another episode in the books, committed to tape for the world to hear. And, uh, hey, buy tickets to my show, preferably through the ads so my statistics look better. And I'll leave you to it. Until next time, I've been Tom Wickham. See ya.